Welcome back to the Faith Friday Podcast. I'm here today with two very special guests. I'm sitting here with Bishop Ryan Mackey. How are you doing today, Bishop Mackey? I am doing well. Glad to be here. Back from his extended period of time studying in Europe. Back from my European Across tour. The Across, Across the, the pond. Across the pond. My English mm-hmm. tour. Mm-hmm. And that wow. other sultry voice you hear um, sitting geographically to my left is none other than Pastor Zach Fleming. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. That'll be the only time that my voice is called sultry, so I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. Well, uh, we can, we can, I can get you the sound bite and then you I can pre- have... That'll be my you, new ringtone. There you, you go. You, you, can, you can pitch it down like yeah. about half an octave. I just and... want to note that I think that, that Bishop Mackey's voice just got lower just to prove that. <laughs> <laughs> Good give, try, give it, buddy. Give it the Barry White treatment or something. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bishop Mackey, I've, I've already, I've gone through this interview with Zach before, and it's been a blessing to hear his faith journey and hmm. how he came to Central. So... Um, I would just love to take some time to hear your perspective, how you came to Central, mm-hmm. um, how you came to know the Lord. So can you maybe start with just where you're from? Are you from here in McPherson or? I am, well, I'm from Kansas. Let's start with that. Um, <laughs> born and raised. <clears throat> I was uh, born elsewhere, but moved to Hutchinson with my family at the age of two. Um and so I was raised in Hutch from age two until I came actually to Central here as a freshman in the fall of 1997. So, um, so it's, yeah, I am from here. And then for the past, well, since 97, from McPherson County, I guess I could say, most of that time being lived in McPherson, but also just south of here in the bustling metropolis of Inman, Kansas as well so all right so you've been in mcpherson since 97 how did you get to or since about yeah yeah um so how did you end up at central so was it just in the area and you're like it was still it would have been still central college it was still central college it was still central college so i went to a community college well (laughs) i mean you're not too far off in one sense if you go back and you look at the history of the school so i went to high school ironically, at Central Christian High School in Hutchinson. So we had the, you know, the whole gamut of Christian college recruiters come through. Mm -hmm. And I had an idea of what I wanted to do vocationally. Um, Actually, let me rephrase that as employment. Um, And I really, when I was younger in high school, I wanted to be a teacher. And then about 16, 17 years old, um, I heard the call, or at least what I'm calling the call. Yeah. Um, and this is so crazy. So we've been, we've been friends for a really long time, and this might be the first time I'm hearing this story. My so origin like, story. Your origin. That's what my son calls it. My son listened to my Faith Friday podcast, and he's like, Dad, I've never heard your origin story. Oh, that's before. awesome. Okay, we are officially going to rebrand from today on. This is the Origin <laughs> the Story podcast. Origin Story. All right, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So no, you, no, no. So you you hear the call. What's I hear like? the call. So I was I was 16 years old. I just started going to a different youth group um, at a Pentecostal church in Hutch. Um, I was raised in the Disciples of Christ Church uh, down in Burton, Kansas. So if you get on Main Street and you drive south for about 25 minutes, you'll end up at the intersection of Burton and Highway 56. Is that, that's, not the, that's not the no music people, is it? No, no. Um, Disciples of Christ it's is kind of... of Christ. Yeah, Church of Christ. Yeah, Church of Christ. Disciples yeah. of Christ, I've kind of described them as kind of light reform. Okay. Um, didn't really know about, like, reform theology or anything like that. Um, we observed the Lord's Supper every week, although nobody could tell me why or told me why. Um, public profession of faith to be baptized, even though we also, well, you know, in, in our tradition we'd say you know, christened or something like that, children, but I was dedicated with sprinkling of water when I was a little one, um, and then uh, believers' baptism later on. So high school, I'm going to um, Central Christian High School in Hutchinson, and I mean, we'd seen everybody from, like, the region, everywhere from, like, Mid-American Nazarene in Kansas City, um, uh, what was it, Grace University up in Omaha, Nebraska, mm. schools from Oklahoma. I mean, there's so many Christian church-affiliated colleges here in Central Kansas. I mean, 
you can't visit a small town within a 50 yeah, mile radius, yeah, you know, true story. and, and not go. So, I mean, we heard Tabor and Sterling and, and all sorts. And I, about 16 years old, I thought that the Lord was calling me into ministry. And so I began to think about it, pray about it, talk to my folks about it, because we have, I didn't know this until after I got ordained, we had ministers in our family. Um, a some of some a great grandfather who was actually surprised to find out Presbyterian pastor, um, and my dad had been a licensed elder within the Disciples of Christ Church for I think about fifteen years at that mm. point. Um, but it was more of a you show up on Sunday, you help out with the service, you do have some liturgical function like helping out like serving communion, taking up the offering, um, offering some of the, the prayers. Um, and then occasionally, I think my dad preached like maybe a couple, three times in 15 years. So that wasn't the big emphasis. So mom and dad were, were pretty encouraging about it. So we ended up visiting three schools. Um, Central College was one of them. McPherson College was the second one. And then Sterling was the third. And it was really interesting because my dad at the time was like, uh, he went with me to all of them which is not the unusual thing, but he started asking the, the heads of the ministry departments, like, tell me about your stance. Tell me about yeah. you know, what, yeah. what you believe on X, Y, Z thing. And I was kind of, at 17 years old, I was kind of taken aback a little bit because I was like, I've not heard my dad ask these questions before. So it was really encouraging. Do you remember the, what, what, the thi- like what the things were, what the hot button ones? Do you remember the questions? The big one I remember was... Um, he would ask about their stance on Calvinism versus Armenianism. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, um, believe it or not, so I, I, I went through, I got, did the, uh, the test and everything, scholarship test and whatnot. So fall of 97, I come to Central as a freshman, enrolled as a youth ministry major. Yeah, my people. <laughs> I, was, I came to Central in the fall of 1997 as a youth ministry major, and within 48 hours— you're the quickest I've heard yet. Continue. 48 hours. Um, uh, I had met Tom Seaman, okay. uh, who was the, used to be the chair of the music department here. Yeah. And uh, back then, Central College, as it was called, was still a two-year school. Yeah. So we had the four-year degree in business and the four-year degree in ministry that Dr. Johnson um, had pioneered. Yeah. But they hadn't made the shift over to everything else. The liberal arts degree and everything that we champion here now was not in existence. And so um, Mr. Seaman had talked to my folks at the parents' orientation and said, well, if your son's interested in getting a ministry degree, what he could do is the first two years, he could take music courses because they told him that I was really interested in music. I was going to be in choir, you know, chapel band, whatever I could be involved in. And uh, he said, if he wants, he can do the first two years with all the music classes. And then in his last two years, switch over and do all the ministry heavy stuff and so i was like and if you okay. if you know tom seaman that completely tracks like, yeah uh, yeah zero percent is surprising that no work in that angle so so i shifted my first weekend <clears throat> at central over into they had an, an associate of arts degree back then that you could focus on music ministry okay and so that's what i did and so i was sitting in um, my ministry and Bible classes with the very excellent uh, Reverend Dr. Larry Anderson, uh, who was our, my campus pastor back then, uh, and uh, Dr. Robert Wolcott, uh, who was the head of the ministry theology department back then, and then had his wife Sylvia, as well as his son Rob, uh, along with Mr. Seaman in the music department over here. And so that was, um, that's how I got here, and that's what I did, and I did it for two years. Um, Ended up uh, going out with my associate's degree and then actually transferring across town to Mac College um, for a couple reasons. Um, but uh, finished off uh, my degree there and um, yeah. And then so. you came back to Central to teach. And then I came back to Central to teach, which uh, again, it's, it's kind of like you, you make your plans, you, you try the things, and then God has the last say in, in what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so 2005, uh, round about that time, uh, the gentleman who had been the, the head of the CCM program, um, exited and 
our Zach and my's dear, dear friend, who's the Dean of Academics right now, Jake Kaufman, mm-hmm. Reverend Dr. Jacob Kaufman, um, applied for the position. What I didn't know is that Jake and I both applied for the job. Did you really? I yeah, I, I applied for the job alongside of him of uh, Director of Contemporary Christian Music. Uh, he, he was obviously the best choice, but um, so I, I had applied, didn't get the job, uh, and so I was splitting time at that point between working at Main Street Deli, and uh, which was a great job. Absolutely loved it. Learned a lot. Uh, learned a lot about people, a lot about myself. And then I was also substitute teaching within um, USD 418 uh, as an emergency sub. And uh, had gone back to school actually in 2004. Um, so this is, sorry, a slight detour, but uh, worked at the deli for t- the two years full time. Still had this call to uh, ordained ministry that I hadn't quite figured out what to do with. And it was actually at the, the viewing for my wife's uh, maternal grandmother. So she had passed away that summer. And um, the, I talked with my bishop about it. And he said, well, what I would do, because at that time I had um, a bachelor's degree in music and a minor in philosophy religion from McPherson College is what I ended up with. And he said, what I would tell you to do is to go and finish off whatever courses it would take to get you a major in philosophy religion. And he said, and then we'll talk. So I did it. And I enrolled full-time for the fall of 2004 as a philosophy religion major at McPherson College. I needed uh, 12 hours. That was all I needed. And uh, so I actually ended, ended up enrolling in 15 because one of the classes was a four-hour class that was only taught once every four years. Mm. Um, it was actually an elementary Hebrew class. Dear God. Yeah, uh, yeah that was probably a bad choice, but I, but I at least passed. So I'm calling it a win. Yeah. Um, but I did that and then um, started studying for ordination, holy orders, in February of 2005. Um, so I go through that, that process, um, still working, both jobs, get ordained. Um, and then in the summer of 06, after I just gotten ordained as a deacon, uh, Jake called me up and he said, Hey, you know, I'm teaching over here at Central and I've got more guitar students than I can handle. And I wondered if you would be willing to come and teach guitar lessons and bass lessons. And I said, Sure. Um, Jake and I had played in a couple bands that played together. We knew, obviously, people who knew each other. We went to Central, even though I was a couple years older than him and we didn't. Our time here didn't overlap, but, uh, you know, like I said, there's the central connection. And so I said, sure. So I thought that I was just going to have like a handful of students and that would be all. Well, I walked in and I think I had like a dozen students my first semester between bass and guitar. So I would go and I would uh, substitute teach or work at the deli, get off at 3.30 and then come over here and teach lessons for a couple hours, two or three afternoons a week. And then um, did that for a year. So that was the fall of 06. And then um, fall of seven, he's like, how would you feel about taking on a class? Um, Because I taught music technology or had done music technology before. And he's like, what would you think about teaching a class in music technology? And I was like, I don't know how to teach music technology. I've done, I mean, by that point, I'd I'd been recording and playing in bands and, and had my own home studio for about 12 years, like since I was 16 and I was 20, 27 at that point. So it's like, I knew how to do it. But I didn't know how to teach it. So he's like, well, here's a textbook. Um, and here's my old syllabus. See what you think. Okay. So I said, sure. And then he said, would you like to co-teach a music business class with me in January of, of 08 for interterm? And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Was how, that because you traveled, right? That was a Nashville trip? That was a Nashville trip. Yeah, yeah it was the first time we yeah. took, took that trip. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. I'm still a little bitter that we're not doing that trip right Well, now. <laughs> we can revive What's it. What's term? What's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We, we, we could do that again. Um, and just kind of one thing led to another, and I was taking on lab bands and music ministry teams. And by the spring of 2008, I, I was up to half time, three quarter time. And he asked the department chair and the then dean of academics, uh, the late Dr. Jerry Alexander, um, if they could pull the trigger on bringing me on as full-time faculty for the fall. 
And uh, they did. And so in the fall of 2008, then I began, well, technically in 07, I tripped over enough hours to where they considered me as full-time faculty or they started counting my years of service or whatever. Um, but then, uh, I get full-time with an office, uh, in, in the fall of the late and, uh, with an office. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a story maybe for another podcast, but yeah, the, the um, amazing thing that we will call Ryan's office. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I saw that office once when I previewed, um, back. You get lost and end up in a closet. You're like, there's a desk in here. This is weird. <laughs> Well, it was it was just like I didn't know anything about the school, and like now knowing like the location of where it was, I'm like, oh man, that was a really weird location for an office. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I tell people that I mean, so I had that blue office across from the men's room, and I was like, you know, this actually isn't a bad gig. I said because I'm I'm two steps from the men's room, I'm four steps from the coffee pot, and I'm like six steps from my classroom, which is I used to teach most everything out here in the in the center of the CCM center. So I was like. That's actually not a bad gig. And it's like, and if I really have to walk far, that means I have to walk across the alley into the warehouse. Right. And, and, I'm, and I'm there for lab bands or for uh, when I had a, a lot of students in intro to music tech, then I was, and then I was right there. So wasn't a bad gig. Yeah. Wasn't a bad gig. It's interesting because we, to connect our stories, we didn't, mm-hmm. we didn't cross paths here. I think one of the first times I talked with Ryan, you were working at the deli. And it was mm-hmm. one of those weird things where, you knew me, but I didn't really know you yet. And so mm-hmm. there was this awkward interaction where you're asking me all of these questions. And I'm like, I don't, I feel like we should know each other. Who are you, like, like we, we would have, we would have run in the same circles yeah. if we had been students here at the same time. So it was this really interesting sort of, and then now dear, dear friend and got to spend lots of time together and, For sure. and pray together. And, and so that's just, it's just really fun to hear your story and to hear um, kind of your journey through Central. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, how did, how did your friendship kind of develop over the years? Like, how, how did it's that Jake's connection? Fault. Jake <laughs> of, course, of course, it's yeah. Jake. Friend of a friend. Yep. Okay. So, so Jake Kaufman and I were meeting every pre to pre Bishop Mackey coming on as faculty. Jake and I were me. I was the youth pastor at the Free Methodist Church, and Jake and I were meeting for every Friday morning. We'd meet for prayer and for accountability, um, just as you know, brothers in Christ sort of thing. And we would meet in the CCM building. Well, mm-hmm. then Ryan came on as faculty, and Jake's like, "Hey, do you know Ryan Mackey?" And I was like, "I, th- I, I yeah, I think so." <laughs> He works at the deli. No, I was. I had it. Served me a sandwich or two. So you know, I was like, yeah, I <laughs> made my latte. He, yes, I think so. He's like, well, would you be alright if he he's here? Would it be alright if he drunk? Well, absolutely. Yeah, and so we every Friday morning for months and months, becoming years, mm-hmm. and then at, at one point, a friend of of mine and Jake's, who we both went to school with, Dallas Bergeson, came on staff over at the church, and so then it was the four of us mm-hmm. um, for a while every every Friday morning with hot coffee with no cream and sugar and uh because <laughs> uh, that's what men drink oh, um, wow helps your beard I'm, grow that's right i am not a man and jake okay i would that. remember when jake would always pour his if it got cold he'd pour coffee into yep. the, there's a ton of plants in this building like I, they don't yeah. exist anymore but and i could not believe how well those things grew from coffee <laughs> oh yeah coffee those plants had consumed oh yeah Probably as much as we, if yeah, not more than right? we had over the years. Yeah. So that's, that's how I would say, um, but mm-hmm. Ryan, Ryan came when I was ordained. I remember Ryan yeah. was at uh, my ordination service when, when I went through that process. And so, uh, dear, dear, dear friends, <laughs> it's been fun to watch you yeah. in your time across the pond, across the pond, that, that time in, a, in prayer slash accountability group, yeah. I think it was a really I think it was a really vital, you know, looking back on it, however many years now it's been, yeah, it was yeah. a, a really crucial moment, I think, for all of us, because we were all in our late 20s, early 30s, you know, just starting family, yeah, starting yeah. careers. And I mean, just for anybody who's younger than us, um, and you're kind of looking for that, that push ahead, yeah. um, there is something that's both very... Um, makes you feel very vulnerable yet very empowered by having people of your own gender look at you mm. and 
lovingly hold your feet to the fire yeah and say what is your relationship not only with god like right now but what's it like with your spouse your kids your employer and i mean we were we were a really interesting quartet because uh jake is my boss and dallas and zach worked together and we were all friends and you know had played music together or had done any number of church services and what have you together for years and our our lives were were so i don't know i don't know the intertwined is is mm-hmm. quite the right word but we we were just weaving in and out of each other's uh lives in such a unique way that i think it really set us all up for where we are there there was now. safety in it there was i knew that those those were three guys that weren't going to they weren't going to cut me any slack in the best possible mm-hmm. sense but also at the same time that was a space where i could be honest about what was happening in church world mm-hmm. and i could say here's here are the people i'm really frustrated with right now mm-hmm. and it was a safe space and and similarly with jake and with ryan to say mm-hmm. hey we had this interaction this week with with either students or with somebody and it was a safe space i mean there's there is there is a reason why I think that that's a biblical principle that yeah. you're to be in community with other believers. Um, man, that is that was such rich. Uh, I still meet I meet with a different group of guys on Friday mornings now, and it, it's such a rich. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and, and actually, I will give Jake Kaufman started it. He he mm-hmm. called me and said, "Hey, I really need this in my life. this was really just him and I. I really need this in my life. Would you be willing to do this every week?" Yeah. So I'll give him, I'm sure he'll listen to this at some point and don't get a big head there, Kaufman. Um, <laughs> but it, it really, I give him full credit for yeah. the, the creation of that particular yeah. group. I mean, it, it's, it was, if I can use this word, it was fun mm-hmm. oh, to, yes. to be, I mean, not just because we'd laugh a lot because yeah. we did, you yeah. know, we, we sometimes for the first 15, 20 minutes, we yeah. just, you know, whatever. And then I think it was usually you who'd say, so how's the week going, guys? Yeah, yeah, let's go. We had there were questions that we would walk through. Yeah, you know, yeah. And you you didn't know we we figured out that you there was like eight or nine questions, mm-hmm. but we knew we'd only get through half. Yeah. So we kind of um, you know so some of those harder questions you know how's your thought life? Yeah. Um, how's your marriage? How like how are your finances? Yeah. There are some really hard like so you have these brothers in Christ who are you know looking at you and you've got to be able to answer this and you would. We would almost, I remember the times when we'd joke and we'd say, oh, praise God, it's questions five through yeah. eight today because I did not have a week where I can answer one through four. <laughs> or we'd say, are you sure? Are you sure it's not questions one through four? I'm pretty sure. Like, we're not talking about finances today. Are we? Okay, good. Because I, so you would, and, and of course that would be, maybe we need to pause and then we need to talk about that. Yeah. Because that's clearly a thing there. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's something for, I mean, and it, it's not just for people who are in ministry i mean this is just this is just good christian fellowship type of thing yeah story is that after doing the this podcast for two semesters there are usually three things that people say and and mention when i ask them how they're staying anchored in their faith and it's usually a reading the word b prayer three community Mm -hmm. it is community and fellowship with other believers yeah so it is like i i i just think it's awesome that I I don't even have to sit here and like, so how are you staying anchored in your faith? Because there's this genuine, real sense of I need community and I know that I need it. And you have both experienced that and have the stories to tell of, Mm -hmm. yes, this is a beautiful thing and it can be really hard Mm -hmm. and sometimes even frustrating, but it is so, so, so worth it. Not Mm -hmm. only just like, like like you said bishop Mackey, not only for your relationship with the lord but also for your relationship with other people yeah. right and so you can continue to yeah learn how to not be a butt when well lives. when 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 jake asked me and, and zach and jake invited me in 
and I started started going and and doing it. And my wife Allison asked me um, how it was going and everything. And I said after two or three weeks of doing it, and I said, "Honey, I said you want me to do this." Yeah, yeah. I I, I was like, yeah. "You want?" I and I told her a little bit about you know the questions and some yeah. of the things you're doing, and I said you want me to be involved in something like this because yeah. these are the guys who are going to, like I said, lovingly hold my feet to the fire yeah. and try and make me a better, a better person, a better husband, a better teacher, a better just Christ follower. I mean, just Christ it, follower. It's just, it, yeah, I, what he said, I don't know that I have anything to add to that other than like you, like those are guys that I, I love those guys and I know like I, there's a joy in, like mm-hmm. I know the idiosyncrasies of, I know that first thing on a Friday morning, you're barely going to be able to understand anything Dallas says because <laughs> his voice when he wakes up is all right. Like, you're just like, dude, you got to speak. I don't know. And that, you know, Jake is going to drink ridiculously dark coffee and, <laughs> and everything that Bishop Mackey does is at a level of 110%. Like, I'm going to come in and go. Trying. To the wall and every, and I'm, I just love I love those guys and, and it's such a, it was a sweet time mm-hmm. it was it was a really rich time. Mm-hmm. So, do you have advice to people who listen to this and say, "Man, I need that in my life," mm. and I'm not necessarily feeling like me going to church on Sunday mornings is what is bringing that in my life? Yeah, like how would you say somebody can go about? building those connections, starting those groups or, or whatever that looks like, how, how would you advise somebody to say? Well, I, I think one of the first things you, you have to do, and I mean, you've heard me say this before, <laughs> your mileage is going to vary, you know, with this. Um, I think that you have to recognize in and of yourself that there's a need. I mean, mm-hmm. in a 12-step program, they tell you that you, you have to recognize you, you, have, you have to own your own story. You have to own where you're at. You have to recognize that you have an issue. And um, sometimes it's because somebody points it out. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, that's not me realizing that I have an issue. It's like, well, if somebody points it out to you and the light bulb clicks on for you, then, yeah, you, you, you have that moment. You just, it didn't come from inside, so to speak. You know, somebody, somebody pointed it out. I think that the recognizing that you have a need of some sort is the first thing. I think the second thing would be, or a second thing, and this isn't definitive, um, would be chances are good you probably know somebody yeah. Yeah. Who, who has a similar need. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the, the whole friendship aspect of this cannot be denied. Yeah, but I, I would say the secret sauce, like the first world, there's not one. Yeah. But it... I would say the friendships developed out of accountability. Yeah. And not, not that it's not that they weren't there. It's it, like Jake Kaufman and I weren't super close before this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now because of it, we are right. So if you're, if you're listening or thinking about this and wanting this, it's not like, well, I don't have any friends that like that's I yeah. don't necessarily start there. No. Um we joked about that all the time. Like we don't have any friends. We're in ministry. <laughs> we don't have any time for friends. Um Yeah, I don't I don't know if that makes sense. I think yeah, I mean it does because we it was more of a of a thing of we had commonalities. Yeah. We had we had we had common ground. You know, if if you if you drew the four of us as a Venn diagram we'd all overlap someplace right. and if nothing else right. because we all went to central about the right. same time right. and we all were back living in the area. Right. Um, but beyond that, you know, it, it's kind of like you said, I knew, you, you know, you knew you should know me right. or, or something right. to a deeper yeah. level because if nothing else you'd seen me or we, yeah. we had some, some kind of an interaction, but it was really in the group is where the friendship was forged. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it was in the fire. It was in the pressure. It was in the whatever blacksmith metaphor you want to use. It was. It was there. And I'll I'll say that what started the group, if I can be real, is that that when I was hired at the church, the lead pastor who hired me, a year and a half after I got there, was fired for moral failure, mm. and that was a big 
That was a scary place to be as a young pastor. Mm-hmm. And Jake recognized it in his own life as well. And it was like, look, if this guy who we love and respect, if that, if that can happen, like what, what's in place for us to make sure that yeah. we, so that was really the catalyst for Jake and I meeting together was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need, there are some things in our life that we want to put into place. Some, yeah. some safeguards to make sure that someone's holding us accountable. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was, it's different in one sense than like, well, it's definitely different than doing a Bible study. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is that it was a peer yeah. group. Yeah. We didn't have an older mentor. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we're, we're all about the same age. Yeah. And so here again, we were the approximate same age, starting out in our careers, young families, yeah. you know, young in our respective whatever, and coming back to this. I mean, some of us, are, again, are from around here, mm-hmm. but then all of us, you know, maybe having gone off and done a thing for a little while and yeah. then returned. Yeah. So we were coming back, not as, you know, 21, 22 year olds who were fresh out of college, but, you know, maybe we'd, we'd gone off, we'd started a career, we'd started a degree, we'd done something, and now we were returning. Yeah. And we had to return with a different mindset than we left with or realize that we were in a different sure, place. Sure. With when you're, when you're working with people who knew you when you were, yeah, you yeah, know, 18, yeah. 19, 20 right. years old, I mean, it's still odd to me that, you know, I worked again for so many years with, uh, Mike Craig, because he was my biology teacher when yeah. I was a freshman, yeah. sophomore here. And so to come back and to be on that level and to realize, you know, I'm an adult now. So I'm an adult now, and that means I need to look at things differently, which means I need to take my spiritual life mm. on a different level. I need to, you know, certainly take my relationship with, you know, my, my wife um, or even, you know, my, my church family you know, whatever it might be. That's the other thing I would say. And I, don't, I have no idea where you want to go in this podcast because we'll just keep talking <laughs> about this forever. But I would say that something else that was a benefit, at least to me, I think it was to the other guys as well, is that if you were to identify us on like a theological spectrum mm-hmm. or um, churches, church communities where we were involved in connecting, that was such, there, there was such diversity in oh, yeah. there as well. And so there was this beauty of, the body of Christ being the body of Christ that we have, we have Bishop Mackey in like whatever in God's name you would you would label him like denominationally or theologically. Yeah. So then you have Jake who has pretty much stayed within like the covenant yeah. circles, right? Um, I, I you know new to Jesus at twenty, um, came to fall in love with the Free Methodist Church. Not that mm-hmm. like. But for me, it was just like, yeah, here's a tribe I identify with, but I'm not absolutely, I'm not like hardcore denomination. And then Dallas Ferguson, who'd grown up in the free Methodist world, it was just this really cool. Anytime we talked about theology or we mm-hmm. read like the diverse perspectives yeah. of of these guys who I just respected a thousand percent. Yeah, and I, I I am just kidding, but I feel really do feel like in God, whatever in God's name you would, you would qualify. You're like, I've learned so much from Bishop Mackey. I'm like, no, wait, it's like high high church Pentecostal. What? That's yeah. a thing. Like that can happen in the that Robert Weber. What? Like like that that it brings me joy. I so I used to teach uh, intro to spiritual formation class over once again inner term. And uh, I would take these, these students up to Mount St. Scholastica, which is up in Atchison, Kansas. So there's, there's a, a Benedictine, Roman Catholic Benedictine convent, so for women, and then monastery for men, St. Benedict's. And we would go up and we would stay with the sisters for two or three days and pray and study and, and work with them and everything. Well, I, we would do vespers with them at six, and, and uh, we were staying in a guest house, and there would be a bell ringing. And if I told the students, if we don't get to the chapel before the bell rings, then you're going to sit outside the chapel. You are not going to walk in and interrupt the service because the entry doors are right there and everybody will see you walk in. And I said, so to save yourself the embarrassment, we'll do this. Well, one of the students in the group had taken a nap. And um, when uh, they woke up and they got around too late and I had already sent the rest of the students ahead. And so we were sitting outside of the chapel waiting for service to be over so we could go to supper 
And we got into this conversation about who I am, what I am. And the student was really trying to rationalize all of this. I'm not going to mention their name, but you'll, you'll laugh when, when I tell you later. Um, and they, in a moment of frustration, said, so just tell me what you are. And I said, I am a little C Catholic, little O Orthodox Christian priest. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's what I am. Yeah. It's like, you know, the only thing that's important that's capitalized is the fact that I'm a Christian. I was like, you can put whatever other adjective in front of it, Catholic, Orthodox, Pentecostal, Charismatic, it doesn't matter. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, I believe in Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's yeah. where it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So transitioning off of that just a little bit, I wanted to ask, um, if just really quickly, right now you are Bishop Mackey. I am. I know other students who knew you better as Father Mackey. <laughs> Um, can you explain to somebody who has very little high church experience um, what it means for you to be a bishop, to, for you to be Bishop Mackey? So, I, so the, the communion that I'm a part of, and, and we, we generally prefer the term communion rather than denomination, because okay. the, thing that, and the, the thing that holds us together as a communion is that we have agreed to live a life in community. Mm-hmm. We, as opposed to, and this is no judgment, no judgment to anybody. Um, we have a very small set of canons or bylaws or book of discipline. Um, and we, as bishops, uh, we hold our communion together by the vows that we make to each other as bishops. It's kind of like an accountability group in a mm-hmm. sense, because we have a th- list of things that we've agreed to that we will do, will not do, will hold each other to. Yeah. And so we live out of that vowed life in a sense. And uh, it's called the Communion of Evangelical Episcopal Churches. So we are not related to the Episcopal Church of the United States. We do have uh, our um, spiritual DNA, if I can put it that way, would be closer to uh, historic Anglicanism, which includes elements of... uh, Roman Catholicism or Eastern Orthodoxy, um, Celtic Christianity, stuff like that. So we're what you call an Episcopal model of government, and this isn't unique to us. There's many denominations, technically including the Free Methodist Church, um, who we come out of the same... Sure, it's an appointment system. Yeah. 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 So um, in the Free Methodist Church, for example, I think you all have deacons still? Yeah. Okay, so they've got deacons and elders and conference superintendents, Mm -hmm. and then over the top of the heap, they have three bishops. Correct. Um, now in, in my communion, we have deacons and we have, we call them, generally we call them presbyters. Um, you can do all the translation and everything and most people just call them priests. Um, so priests and that typically is where you get the term father if, if you're more of the Roman Catholic leaning or, or Church of England leaning. Um, but we also have female priests. Um, so sometimes they get called mother or just reverend. It kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have bishops of which I am one, um, which would be more akin to a conference superintendent uh, for making the Free Methodist connection. And then we do have uh, a few archbishops out there who oversee more of the global okay. side of things. So I, I won't do the whole ch- church history thing. I'll leave that up to, uh, to uh, Dr. Cromwell and to Dr. Anderson across the street uh, to, to download that to you. But basically, as a bishop, um, my role and... I would just say this to anybody who's interested in ministry, going into ministry. Um, I don't believe in a pyramid hierarchy. I believe in a flat, a flat hierarchy. So the idea is that if you and Pastor Zach and I stead shoulder to shoulder, um, we all have different roles that we're fulfilling. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be that my role is X and your role is Y and your role is Z. And that's just how it, how it rolls rather than, some kind of a pyramid with like the bishop on top and then everybody else underneath, which if you want to use a pyramid idea, the bishop should be on the bottom because they should be the ones supporting everybody. So the bishop, the way that I describe it as a bishop is the shepherd of shepherds. Mm -hmm. So it's my job as a bishop to make sure that my clergy and without complicating too many things, I'm actually an assistant bishop. So I assist another uh, archbishop actually with his ministry and his work and everything that he oversees because it's fairly sizable. 
So my job is to make sure that all the clergy, um, priests and deacons, missionaries, whomever, um, are taken care of. Um, whether that means making a pastoral visit to their church, um, which obviously I haven't been able to do for the last 18 months, but I'm excited to go out and, and do it uh, once again. Uh, it can mean doing pulpit supply uh, on the fly. I'm, my wife and I are very involved in, uh, now that we're back in Kansas, in our home church uh, in Hutch, the Father's House. And so plan on the ministry or on the music team and uh, whatever else is, is asked of me. Basically, it's if you're if you're into sports, it's kind of like being a utility player in baseball. It's like I pretty much go and do whatever I'm asked to go and do as as a as an assistant bishop. Mm. Um, but and the end of it, it has to do with making sure that people are taken care of. Yeah. Um, when I got ordained, um, so one of the one of the garments that we can wear as clergy, it's this long black robe called a cassock, and old school clergy. And still do in some places within the world, this would be like your everyday street wear. So it's like what you would see the priest or the bishop or the deacon even in, wearing on the street in the coffee shop and the whatever. And I've done that a few times uh, around McPherson. Um, but my, my archbishop looked at me and he said, you can never be afraid to get your cassock dirty. You can mm-hmm. never be afraid to go and to see people and to do the visits and to talk to, because I was, I've, I've been a professor the whole time I've been uh, ordained. He's like, you can never be afraid to let it be, um, get, get the dirt of the country on it, to get the soil of the city on it, to let, you know, the tears of your congregants or the runny noses of your students, you can never let it be afraid to get stained by humanity. Because he's like, if, if that ever becomes an issue, you might as well just take it off and hang it up. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's something that I've, I, I've tried to do. I've failed at times. I know I have. Um, but basically, it's to try and be a, a witness to um, a visible sign in some cases. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not in collar right now. But, you know, if, if on a typical day, if you put Pastor Zach and I next to each other, um, you know, it's it's the body of Christ either way, whether it yeah. wears a collar and a and a yeah. cross, or whether it's you know in sweaters and jeans as we are today. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's all the body of Christ, and for you know one member of the body of Christ, if you want to use the the physical body analogy, you know, for the finger to point at the toe and say, "Why aren't you?" You know, yeah. Yeah. you should look better. And the toe is like, "Man, I'm doing my job." <laughs> you know, what are, what are you complaining about? You know. Uh, it's, it's all based on our role. And, you know, with that being said, I'm so thankful that Pastor Zach is in the role that he's in now as, as campus pastor over here. It was, it was with great joy that I, that I saw that when we were still overseas. And I, I looked at Alice and I said, man, he's going to do a great job in that role. He's going to do an it. awesome job great. in that role. I, I really, I really have. I, I apologize to all you podcast people because this is, so Ryan is a dear friend. This is the first time we've seen each other since he's been back. So if this, if you have tuned in and this is two and a half hours long, it's because it's the first time that Ryan and I have seen each other. And so there's this, how are you? Yeah. Tell me about England. Definite catch up time. Why you keep using the word Zed? Zed. <laughs> Be, because because over there instead of Z they say Z. Right. No, I, yeah. I, I, I wanted <laughs> we get to it. point it out. So, so I, I well, and I noticed I said I said we're wearing sweaters instead of jumpers, and I made that I made that slip Did the other you, day. Uh, do you say your dates weird now? Oh, I've you, actually written flip, my. Do you flip the the day and the month? I've done that for actually about ten years. That's obnoxious. You're from America. <laughs> knock it off. Oh, <laughs> uh, but but at least I'm not trying to tell you how how uh, hot it is outside in centigrade or Appreciate Celsius that. instead of Fahrenheit. I'd be like, huh. Interesting. Be like, it's about you know fifteen degrees outside. No, it feels warmer than that. Yeah. Hey, at least you're not from Canada and you're using Kelvin's. Well, like that would just no. That that might no. That's too much effort. (laughs) Has there been reverse culture shock for you? Yeah, definitely. What's been what stands out right away as this was the like this this thing. Um, and sad to say, this is all tainted by COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, my. One of my cousins on my mom's side got married last weekend mm. in uh, Mound Ridge, which for those of you who don't know, the area of Mound Ridge is about uh, 15 miles away from yeah, here, 15, like 20 miles, um, small town. And uh, we walked in and we, it was an outdoor wedding, which was great, um, but there was 50 people-ish, small wedding. 
Um, and then we went, went into the building that was adjacent for the reception. And I'm an introvert. Um, it may not sound like it, um, but partly it's because I'm caffeinated. So that always helps. Um, but I'm an introvert. And so I, after a while, I just need to be away from people. Um, small space, small group, quiet. Um, it's just how I'm built. And we got about an hour into the reception. And the, the, some people had left. Some people had stayed. More people came because they did two cycles of, of a reception mm, for, yeah, for COVID reasons. Yeah. But still, there were 75 to 100 people in this place. And I looked at, I looked at Allison and I said, I'm getting a little overwhelmed here. Because we've been, we've been um, locked down and restricted to gatherings yeah, sure. um, to, to people. And so that's on the negative side. Yeah. So the positive side is this. So uh, two, just over two weeks after we got back. So we'd gone through our yeah, self-isolation yeah, right, period. Right, right, your quarantine. And uh, we were ordaining uh, some deacons, priests, and a couple bishops down in Oklahoma City. So the archbishop asked me to go along and, and help. And so we go down. So it was a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that we were doing these ordinations. So deacons and then priests and then bishops finally on Wednesday. And the first ordination service, uh, we get to the point of the Eucharist of taking communion at the end. And uh, I wasn't responsible for music at that service. And so I went to the rail to receive communion. And it was the first time that I had gotten to... Excuse me. Second time, second time in 12 months that I had gotten to publicly gather mm. with people to receive communion. Yeah. Now, for me and for my, commun- my larger communion that I belong to, receiving the Eucharist is, is a backbone to our spirituality. And mm. so I, when, the, when the priest who was, or the bishop who was serving that, that uh, afternoon, when she put the wafer in my hand, I just broke. Because I looked around and I was like, here are all these people, uh, including my archbishop who's known me since I'm 16, uh, other people who have invested so much yeah. in my growth and development spiritually, and then uh, half a dozen people who I've invested in mm-hmm. who are getting ordained. And I just broke. And I was just like, I, to, to once again be permitted in a church mm-hmm. to worship with people. Um, and this is no knock on, on the decision. This isn't political. This is none of that. Yeah. Um, just what the United Kingdom was doing at the time to keep their people safe. And mm-hmm. at the time we were living there, so we were among those that they yeah. were trying to keep safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate them for that. And then coming over here and being able to worship communally again, um, that was a culture shock in and of itself. Yeah. It's probably yeah. not what you're, you're expecting. No, no the, you know, I wonder, and I'm sure that there have been, I feel like for you coming back, a lot you you get asked the same questions a lot right so they're yeah. right so you can't you can't help it because you've had this experience and all of us want to hear about it and so so the questions start to feel the same but i can imagine one of the things that you've had to articulate over and over and over is how covid affected your expectations oh absolutely of what it was going to be like to study abroad in that way and then yeah you get there and you have a few months of it's amazing. There's a oh, castle. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we're not in our home country. Yeah. And now we're on lock, We're in lockdown. Yeah. And it, yeah. I, I have to say, so there have been international students here at Central for longer than I've been associated with yeah. Central. Yeah. And being, well, first, before even COVID hit, being over in a foreign country. And I know everyone's like, well, they speak English and everything like that. It's like, well, I've never lived anywhere else other than Kansas yeah. my entire yeah. life to yeah. this point. And so that was culture shock enough. And then to be so far removed from any family, any friends, the only people that we knew, the only person I knew was my uh, supervisor. Yeah. And I didn't know him that well. Yeah. But then to get to meet people and to meet other foreign students, mm-hmm. international students, um, I was like, boy, I have a lot more respect for the people who yeah. worked with yeah. our international students right. here at Central. It's like, give them a gold star give them <laughs> give them a special spot in heaven for yeah, this one my goodness. goodness yeah um but then when the when the world pivoted um and i remember the last sunday that we were in church was march 15th i would just it was my first time to lead worship at our at our home away from home church in in durham uh st nick's and 
two days later, I gave, it was the last time I set foot in a classroom as a student. And I had, I had to give a, a presentation for one of my classes. And I, I didn't go back into a classroom and probably won't now. Because yeah. um, I'm, now I'm onto the research only portion of my sure. degree program. Sure. But uh, one of the things I, I will say is that when you're away from it, if you're, if you're, a, if you're appreciative of where you're from, your appreciation only uh, like grows for mm. where you're from when you're forced to be someplace else for an Absence extended period of time. Does in fact make the heart grow. Oh man, we yeah. we we tell people and like when people would ask us where we're from, many of the people that we knew over there who were from the United States were either from the East Coast, yeah. they were from California, or they were from Texas. Yeah. And so they'd say, "Well, where are you from?" And I said, "Probably a place you've never heard of, and if you've ever heard of it, you've heard of it for one reason." And I said, we're from Kansas. And they're like, oh, Wizard of Oz. And I said, yeah. yeah. It's like, yes. And my grandmother was actually named Dorothy. God rest her soul. So, I mean, it's, um, it was interesting also not only being um, a student over there, but also having to, um, this is going to sound odd, but be a representative of my state, mm. of, of my region. Sure. Because they weren't used to people from the Great Plains yeah. or from the Midwest. And it was really interesting trying to say, well, you know, not all Americans are, you know, we're not all from Texas. We're not yeah. all from California yeah, right. or the East Coast. And right. there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just like, that's not my experience in life. I come yeah. from, I mean, if you've been to McPherson, you know the area. And it's very rural. It's very wide open and, and flat. And I mean, to me, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, and I say that having just been able to walk 75 feet up a hill and look across a valley at like uh, pastures with sheep and then a thousand year old cathedral in the distance and that was gorgeous too don't don't misunderstand me but glad glad to be back glad to be home yeah i didn't sense any homesickness at all from you (laughs) i don't know i I didn't pick up on any of that in social media zero percent homesickness from the mackies well i mean (laughs) if you didn't then we did a really good job of covering it um the one other thing that i wanted to ask you about is specifically how you came to know the lord that is a really good question so my, and th- this is actually something that I wrestled with for a long time. Mm. Um, so I was raised in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my dad was an elder at the Disciples of Christ Church that we, that we attended. Um, it's actually my mom's childhood church, and it was the church that her folks went to. Um, so the, the building that still stands on the um, there on Main Street or on a Burton Avenue in, in Burton, Kansas. Um, the church that stands there right now was built in 1919. And my grandfather at the age of 12 was playing around in the foundation of the church when mm. they built it. Mm. So my family's been a part of that church for over a century now. And I did not know a time. Now, we, we lived elsewhere in, in Kansas. We lived in Topeka and in Wichita for the first couple of years of my life. And then we moved back to this area when I was two. Um, but I have no conscious recollection of not being in the church. It was just, you were always there. I mean, my, my uncle was the custodian. I had aunts and uncles or uh, aunts who were deaconesses. My grandmother was the church secretary for 37 and a half years um, and just so on and so forth. So we were always there. My great grandmother literally lived across the intersection from the church. And so we'd stop at her house and say, hi, she was, um, uh, a partial amputee, so she couldn't get across um, the intersection very easily. So um, we'd go and say hi to her um, and check in with her before church, and then we'd go across to church, come back. A couple of the elders would come and bring her communion after church was over to part of the shut-in ministry, and then we'd all have Sunday lunch together. That was growing up for me. It, everything with the extended family revolved around the church. And I'll never forget, so I went, to, I went to a Christian school, and around about 12, 13 years old, um, so we did this spiritual emphasis week every year, usually twice a week, or twice a year, and so services for five days. And I've said this for years, and even, even, when, um, even when going to schools that have a church affiliation or are called Christian colleges, it's like, you, you can't... Um, you can't assume that every student who walks through your door is going to be a Christian. Right. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's not the way it works. And I knew that going to this Christian school that there were friends of mine who were dabbling in 
you know, in some cases, God only knows what. Sure. Um, but the emphasis back then was you had to be able to drill down to a date when you made a conscious yeah, decision yeah, for Christ. Yeah. And at 12, 12-ish years old, I freaked out because I couldn't have told you the date. Like, yeah. I had, I had uh, been christened in the church. I had been baptized. Um, I had I had the Bible with my name on it and and the whole shooting match, yeah. <laughs> and but I couldn't put it down to a date, and so I made this decision when I was I think it was a freshman in high school, so I could have a date. What was the date? Uh, it was September twenty fourth of nineteen ninety four. So it was the beginning of my sophomore year. That's cool. I was fourteen. How old were you in nineteen ninety four, Jordan? Negative two. There you go. On purpose for you. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I walked around with this this wrestling match in my head for about the next five or six years as to how long had I been saved. Mm. And then years later, I was talking with uh, my archbishop's wife, who ironically was also raised in the Disciples of Christ Church. And I had this conversation after I realized that I had this conversation with her, and I said, "So how did you?" She's like. I was like you. I was just always raised in the church. I didn't know a time when I wasn't a Christian or following Jesus. And I said, well, just everybody around me, they were so, you know, you got to have a date. You got to have a date. You got to have a date. She said, they tried that on me too. And she said, I just said, I don't need it. She said, my relationship with Jesus is solid. I don't need it. I I had a long time wrestling with that same sort of thing because I, I didn't grow up in the church, um, but I had always considered myself to be a Christian. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I grew up with Veggie Tales and all this different stuff. So I can totally relate to that. And I, I was listening to a podcast um, a couple of years ago now, I think. And one thing that really struck me was somebody else who had said that they wrestled with the same thing and they kind of wondered the same thing. And when they were pressed with that question, he has basically come to the conclusion um, it was that the date he was saved was somewhere around 2,000 years ago. You know. That's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I'm, I'm bitter that I didn't think of it first. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, so, but how... At what age, or do you do you feel like you've always because you have a like a like a reverence, like a like G, for so when I talk to you, like Jesus is so central to mm-hmm. you, and and I mean that in the best yeah possible way. But d- can you did you ever have a season? Do you can you remember a time growing up when you were like I don't know. I don't know if I buy this. Like, I don't like, I don't like, or, or for you, has it always been like, have have you always had sort of that, that personality about you that you're like, no, I'm all in on this. Like, I, I would like to say, yes, it's always been like this. Now, I mean, I had my, I had my issues like a lot of people. Um, the, the short version of my story is, um, I, had an eating disorder when I was in high school. I struggled with anorexia throughout um, a lot of that. Um, I've had uh, issues with uh, OCD for about 25 years and got into some pretty dark places at times. Um, and forgive me, uh, y'all who are listening to this, if this sounds incredibly cliched, um, but there was always a light in the darkness. Now, sometimes sure. it was literally just a spark. Mm-hmm. or it was an ember if you've ever gone camping and uh you you see these embers that are in your campfire and they're not putting off flames they're not even putting off a whole lot of light but they're still there mm-hmm. and they're in a lot of ways they're even more intense than the fire itself mm-hmm. so there was always an ember of christianity there's always an ember of christ mm-hmm. that was my constant companion and it was with me through the really really dark times mm-hmm. Um, when, you know, people began to die, you know, grand, grandparents and, um, friends, um, when I was going through my own struggles with, um, physical and mental health, uh, again, I, I went to K-12 Christian school and I love the friends that I've made and 
I'm still connected with some of them on social media. Um, there are several that I'm not anymore. And it's really hard when you've, when you've gone through, when you've like set in some of the same classes and you've heard the same uh, chapel messages and so on and so forth and your lives end up on very divergent paths. Yeah, right. And you struggle. I struggled with that. I'm not going to make assumptions about others, but I struggled with that. And it was never in a prideful way. You know, here I am following this and you're not. You know, my life is this and yours is, is that. Um, it's always been, but the, but the short answer is, he's always been there. I mean, in, in, in my adult years now, I mean, I've, I've, lost, um, I've lost two parents-in-laws. Um, all of our grandparents are dead. Um, we've lost a niece. We've lost, I mean, we've had a lot of tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had other things happen to me, you know, physically. A lot of people don't know this, but um, I've, I've had a hearing impairment for practically my whole life. There was a time when I was uh, not in the too distant past when I was legally blind in an eye and thank God had a miraculous healing that happened as well. Um, mm-hmm. But even in the midst of that, of saying, you know, where was God? You know, it'd be easy to ask, well, where's God in the midst of that? And it's yeah. like, yeah. well, I'm still here. Yeah. I, I got up this morning. Yeah. You know, probably in the last 20 years, one of my favorite verses, you know, I wouldn't say it's a life verse sort of a thing, but I begin prayer a lot with this is, Lord, your scripture says that this is the day that you have mm. made. Yeah. And so we rejoice and we are glad in it. Yeah. And when your back is up against the wall, that's a tough verse to say. Sure. Sure. That's, I mean, even, even just with some of what's going on in my larger circle of, of life yeah. in this moment as we're recording this podcast, yeah. that's a tough thing for me to say in yeah. some instances. Yeah. Um, but um, when I go to lead a Vespers prayer service here in a couple of hours, uh, that's how we're going to start our time of, of prayer together is saying, this is the day that you have made. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to rejoice. You know, we all got up this morning. Yeah. We all got out of bed this morning. Yeah or what have you. So that's my very long, short answer. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Amen. Well, I would love to close this podcast out and cap capstone the faith Friday podcast for the 2020, 21 semester school years, school year. You nailed it. Uh, Yeah. Nailed it. You want to take another strike (laughs) at that? Uh, you do great. I, you don't no, need no. to. No, the the Time the academic clock. year, <laughs> the academic the twenty twenty one academic year yes, Faith Friday that. podcast. <laughs> um, but I would just love to capstone this off. Um, I'm here with two people who have been a huge blessing to my own life and to countless others um, lives that I've I have not even seen um, touched by your your by Jesus' hand through your mm. hands mm. and. Um, I would love to just give a benediction prayer to the both of you of the Lord's blessing. I love that. Thank um, you. And yes. also to those listening right now who who are coming to the end of the semester after a ridiculously difficult year. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. a long, long year for yeah. a lot of us. Yeah, indeed. And. I would just love to pray this blessing over the campus as well. Mm. Yes, please. So if you are listening right now and this semester has been extraordinarily difficult for you, if life has seemed unfair, if you feel like you're at a point where you've been knocked down over and over again, Mm. um, if you are at that point where you don't see the light in the darkness, Maybe there hasn't been a light for you and you just have not been able to see it. Um, I would like to take this time to pray this benediction to you as well, that the Lord would bless you, that he'd be with you, and that you would be able to see him. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thank you so much for joining us 
for listening to the Faith Friday podcast. Stay safe. Have a great year. And thank God for Christ. Thank you.